0: Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio.
1: And welcome back to Coast to Coast, back with science journalist Robert Zimmerman. Robert, let's uh, talk a little bit more about COVID, then move on to some space issues, yeah. of course. Uh, so your 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 thoughts on COVID, hysteria made up, what's the intent? Is this I, – I have heard a, a lot of stories about this.
0: Well, I want to emphasize something I was trying to say just when we cut – You don't want to have lots and lots of people die from this thing. So you do do take it seriously. And the one thing you do is you focus on where the threat is worst. And that's what these people did not do. They put uh, Andrew Cuomo mandated that sick people had to be brought back to nursing homes where there were vulnerable people. You do the opposite. You protect them so they don't get hurt by it. And we didn't do that. So what did we do instead? What these politicians have done is take advantage of this panic, which they helped instigate to gain power. And they have now set the precedent that they can, with an edict, put everyone in the United States under house arrest, governors, mostly governors, they can put everyone under house arrest, they can force you to wear a mask, there are no standards for the masks, I've researched this, it's probably unhealthy. I'm not sure they, We're they work. the way most people do, and this is despicable, it is a power grab, that's the sum total of it, and you can tell how much of a power grab it is by the arbitrary nature of the closures. In New York State, religious organizations can't meet. Jews cannot worship at their synagogues or teach their kids. But it's okay for a Black Lives Matter uh, protest of 100,000 people to gather packed on a street. That just indicates an arbitrary nature. It means it's a power game, and that's all it is. And that's where it's coming from. And unfortunately, Americans don't seem to care that their, their freedoms are being destroyed right now. And they are being destroyed. There's no doubt about it.
1: Because that. when you scare them, Robert, they will follow you.
0: Well, remember the last line in the Star-Spangled Banner, a land, home of the brave, land of the free? Well, you cannot have freedom without courage. If you are not brave and you're willing to be scared and allow fear to, you know, the only thing to have is fear is fear, is, fear, is fear is fear itself. If you allow fear to dominate you, then you cannot be a free person. And I am not going to live in fear. Uh, I'm going to live as a brave American free, and I'm disgusted by the fear that I see radiating from everybody for something that, once again, the stats, even in their worst scenario, makes it nothing more than a slightly worse flu season. Well, the worst flu season we've had maybe in 50, since the 1969 uh, Hong Kong flu.
1: I've heard some people say the COVID-19 will go away after November 3rd. Uh, That's yes. the election. Uh,
0: like many other of these kind of things, yes. A lot of this has to do with the hysteria on the left about Trump. They don't like the fact that, not, that he's in power, and they just don't like it. And they, they, they've been going nuts for four years about this, three years, and they keep piling on with something new every time. And, you know, it's not entirely partisan because there are also Republicans playing this game because they want the power. It's not totally
1: possible. No, you're right. you're right, So anyway,
0: that. let's let's talk about space, which is the positive thing that's been going on in the last few months, despite the hysteria. It's positive. What do you
1: think of the privatization of space?
0: Well, this is something you, you, you know like I've been writing about for decades, uh, and they're basically... I wrote a policy paper in 2017 called Capitalism Space. and It was a policy paper for Washington Think Tank that was basically distributed throughout the D.C. area. And what has essentially been happening over the last three years, especially within the Trump administration, is they are embracing the basic ideas that I suggested. And I'm not the only one suggesting it, so it's not just me. But the basic idea is that NASA doesn't build anything. NASA is a customer that has a need, the United States has a need to have a presence in space. And so what uh, the American dream and the American way of doing things is the government is a customer. It it is a servant to the people. When it needs something done, it doesn't build it itself. It hires Americans to do it for them. You hire private companies, which will then own what they build and be able to sell it to others as a customer, as a product. And so the Trump administration has been steadily transitioning to that model. It is a transition that began with the Obama administration. This is not partisan. The Obama administration pushed hard for its eight years to, get, to commercialize space, to take it out of NASA's hands, the construction of spacecraft. And that's why it was, the Trump administration could accelerate it so well. And that's why, just a month, month or so ago, uh, a private company... Launched a private Americanly built capsule on an American rocket from American soil to put two astronauts into space successfully, and they're still up there a month later. The capsule's doing great. And they built that capsule, the Dragon capsule from SpaceX. They built it for a tenth of what NASA has cost over the years, and in no time at all compared to what right, NASA has
1: And they probably used some of the ex-NASA employees to build it.
0: No, absolutely not. No. Very
1: little. Very few people. Well, where, where'd they get the brain power?
0: people at SpaceX come out of NASA, and the reason is because NASA teaches bad lessons. If you worked at NASA, you don't think the way you need to think to work for a private company. You work slow. You work careful. You make a lot of models. You don't cut metal. You're conservative in terms of how you design things. The way SpaceX works, and one of the astronauts on the mission, I think it was... uh, Beneke, Bob Beneke, said the thing that makes this struck him about SpaceX is its agility. They change. They rethink. They don't get married to any idea and they can change it on a dime. They accept error. They accept failure. They blow things up to learn how to build it right. That's something NASA does not do. And so very few engineers at SpaceX came out of the NASA.
1: Well, where'd they get the brain power so quickly?
0: most people in the United States remember Elon Musk who founded a company came out of PayPal that's how he made his I mean he business. put
1: a rocket company together in how many years
0: Few years. He yeah. started this idea in about 2004. He was launching his first Falcon 9 rocket and capsule in 10. In only a decade, the Falcon 9 rocket has gone from nothing to now the most used operational American rocket. It's bypassed the Atlas V just for the Amazing. most recent launch. And so what he did was he went and, and looked for young, uh, smart people who wanted to do this work but were not. Bogged down with the old bad ideas. Remember, for 50 years, I was told by NASA engineers, NASA management, big management at the big companies like Boeing and Lockheed, the launch companies, it was impossible to reuse a first stage. You couldn't land it vertically. It wasn't possible. If you did, you wouldn't have enough fuel to get your capsule into, or your, uh, your payload into orbit. And even if you could, when it landed, it would not be usable to use again. They said it was impossible. They didn't even try. Well, they're lying or they were just simply not capable of thinking outside the box to innovate. Or both. And so this is why SpaceX has succeeded. He went with young people and open-minded and, and innovative, and that's why they're successful.
1: Benneke was one of those who did the spacewalk today.
0: Yes, that's exactly yeah. right. I mean, uh, they, are, uh, uh, they are changing batteries on ISS, and uh, they, this mission was originally only supposed to be a week long initially. It was only supposed to be a demo. They go up, they show we can work, they stay for a week, and the astronauts come down. But uh, over the, in the last six months, NASA decided, you know what, maybe we can make it a little longer. And when they launched, they said it was going to be anywhere from one to three months. And now it's going to be an almost three-month-long mission. Basically, it's not a demo, it's basically an operational mission. Because they realized, you know what, private enterprise does it better than 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 big space, uh, governmently funded operations. The, SpaceX has high standards, it wants to meet those standards, and it does it repeatedly. Because it, what it's doing this is it's trying to win customers. And the only way you win customers is you produce a good product that's reliable and that's inexpensive, and they, that's exactly what they've done. They have reduced the cost to launch from what was routinely one to 250 million dollars per launch to now less than 50 million. They probably actually are much cheaper than that, but they don't have to be cheaper because nobody else can even match that price.
1: How far advanced is SpaceX from Jeff Bezos' company, for
0: example? Oh, far advanced. Bezos has been very disappointing me for the last two years. They, he, he's proposed to do some of the same things, but he decided to wed his company to the government and the military, and so he's building his rocket to their specifications, which immediately slowed down production by a year, and he has not produced. You know, he was flying the New Shepard suborbital craft for the first time three years ago, and they said they were going to be starting to launch people on it within months, and that's three years ago, and they haven't done it yet. And so I've been very disappointed with Jeff Bezos. SpaceX is doing something right now that's even more revolutionary. I'm sure, I don't know if you've talked about it on your show, but they have something called Starship. And Starship is the second stage, uh, but can also be used from the ground. And Super Heavy will be the first stage. And basically what it is going to be is an entirely reusable rocket. But not only that, it's going to have the capabilities of superior to a Saturn V rocket. So not only will they be able to put up payloads comparable to the Saturn V, but the rocket will come back down and be completely reusable. And they've been doing tests of Starship in Boca Chica, Texas, near Brownsville, the tip of Texas, for the last, six, for the last year. And in that time, they've built seven prototypes. They've blown up four of them. They did one of their early prototypes, Starhopper, they actually did a 500-meter, 1,500-foot uh, vertical up and down. Um, but they're blowing up their, their prototypes because they're trying to test the failure to figure out how to build it better. And they've got the fifth prototype right now uh, on a test stand. They're doing more engine tests with it. If everything goes well, and it's I expect this time it will, because the tests have so far worked out right, they're going to do a 500-meter, which is about 1,800-foot hop, with that. And if that works, they're going to then move to a 12-mile hop. And if that works, they hope within a year to be orbital. Now, that doesn't mean there will be orbital in a year. These are tests. This is a development process. It might take longer. But considering the fact that they've only been started a year ago with actually cutting metal, they are going to be, they, they will be flying this thing probably within four or five years. That's amazing. And that, you know, compare that to NASA's space launch system, which they started in '04, and it will not have its first manned mission until 2024. 20, that means 20 years to do a single mission, and it'll cost them almost $60 billion. It's going to cost SpaceX about $2 billion to develop
1: Starship. Several months ago, I got a call during open lines. Robert, uh, someone said, I saw a whole string of UFOs in the sky. And I'm going, what the heck was that? Well, I found out it's Elon Musk's link of all those satellites he sends up.
0: He's he's launching something called Starlink. And it's going to be a constellation of of satellites that could be in the... In over like 8,000 satellites, but they hope to have enough launched, uh, something like 1,000 by the end of this year, and it will be offering worldwide internet capabilities to the world. And they are using their Falcon 9 rocket, and it's reused first stages to launch it, which means it costs them practically nothing to get these rockets up. These uh, satellites up. And so he is going to be in the position to offer everybody internet service, probably at a cheaper rate than your Comcast or your Verizon just amazing. or your Central Link is offering. And it will be something uh, uh, that will work anywhere you go. And so that's once again, he's just doing smart business. He's offering a product that will be superior to others for less cost. And, you know, it's all smart business. And he hopes to use the profits from Starlink to help fund a starship, which he is offering to NASA as a product to get people to the moon. He's also using it to maybe get himself to Mars to build his own Mars colony.
1: How far advanced is he from most countries who are trying to develop a space program?
0: Right now, uh, there is nobody, no company. No, no private company, no nation that is even close to what SpaceX is doing. I would say the closest country to what SpaceX is doing right now would be China, um, because China, uh, first of all, China steals the ideas from us and then upgrades them. Right. Uh, and they've been very aggressive right. about doing that, stealing it, uh, but then they do upgrade it. Um, and so when they saw first stages being landed... They're reverse engineering, they reverse engineer the don't they? ...the grid fins, and they've been trying to control landings, and they've got kind of to think about trying to get first stages to land vertically, and I'm sure some of it's been stolen from SpaceX. So China's the closest. In terms of the United States, private companies, all the older private companies are not being that very competitive. They're not innovative enough. They've been slow. What's been competitive has been the newer companies that are coming along, something like Rocket Lab, which is, which is a small company, small rockets, but they're already going to, they're very close to already being able to reuse their first stages. Very quickly, they adapted and are thinking about how to do it.
1: And I had heard that Tesla Motors, which Elon Musk owns a lot of, um, has surpassed Toyota in terms of size. Can you believe that?
0: Uh, Yeah, I'm not as uh, enthusiastic about Tesla as I am about SpaceX. There are certain issues there that are complicated. But he
1: seems to succeed at everything he touches.
0: there was a great video I put on my website, Behind the Black, which, by the way, is celebrating its 10th anniversary. Well, happy anniversary, Rob. That's right. I'm having a fundraiser, in fact, this month to, from do, asking donations to keep me going. Um, but it is the 10th anniversary. I've been doing this for 10 years. Hard to believe. I've had almost 1,000 essays, 22,000 posts. But anyway, I posted this video where he was, was interviewed. And what he said was that this is a quote. You, if someone came to you to tell you that what you've designed is a bad design and I have a better idea, you would be insane not to listen.
1: Exactly.
0: And that's what makes him good. He's,
1: a good I'm manager designed. will listen.
0: That's right. He will listen. And he will. And he changes. His designs get uh, – one of the reasons they're doing these tests with Starship is because they want to find out what works. And they're changing design as they go aggressively so they can get it to be the best they can possibly be. And that's why he succeeds.
1: Good point. Since you've been doing this, and like you say, you've been doing it at least 10 years.
0: Oh, well, I've been a writer for uh, longer almost, than that. Almost 30 years. Uh, space historian. You know, I've got lots of books that are available on the history of space, and I have written the book on the Apollo 8 mission. I've written the book on the history of the Hubble Space Telescope, and I've written the book on uh, uh, the history of uh, space, man-space post-Apollo, and uh, those are all on my website. And But, you know, 10 years ago, I decided I needed a website where, where no one could stop me. I could write whatever I wanted and freely, Because I've I've been very frustrated over many years how editorial departments in magazines and among publishers repeatedly tried to make their opinions my opinions, and they would not allow me to speak my mind. And So I made my webpage, and so Behind the black has been here for 10 years, and I get to say what I want. If I want to write an essay today, I write it, and it's published today. Uh, I don't have to go through an editorial process. It would be nice to have copy editors, but I don't have the money yet to afford that. And because I make typos all the time, and I, my my readers are my copy editors. They tell me about typos, and I fix them. But I get to write what I want. And so for that reason, for the last decade, I've been doing this. And the website's growing exponentially. It really is. And the donations come in uh, surprising how many people don't have to give me any money, but they want to because they, they want to support what I'm doing.
1: It's amazing that uh, we are approaching this month. Fifty-one years since we first landed on the moon with a man.
0: Yeah. Fifty-one years. Um, That's half a century. Half a century, and the fact, it's a disgrace that it's half a century, and we have not been back. And even more. Why did we stop? Well, we stopped because we decided, and this is what I talked about at length in my book on the Apollo 8 mission that orbited the moon on Christmas Eve, Genesis Story of Apollo 8. We took the wrong lessons from the space race. We went into the space race, as Kennedy said, to prove that a free people could do it better. But we copied the Soviet Union by creating a program run by the government for months,
1: and then stop. We've
0: been copying that model for the last forty years, and it's only in the last decade that we're starting to abandon that model and allow, instead of a space program, a chaotic a space industry of many different companies and people following their individual dreams with no government uh, decision on how it should be operated. By having a government command control on top, nothing gets done. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.